Uh, I want to thank you for, um, for being here this morning, and, and we're going to start a new series this morning. For the next four weeks, we're going to be talking about going all in. Have you ever been involved in something, and you were so dedicated to it? Anybody ever have that? Something in your life that, that you, were, you were so passionate about? For the lack of a better word or a better phrase, I would say something that, that you decided, hey, I'm all in. Do you remember what it feels like? Uh, for me, I think back just recently, and um, I was at the, uh, the YMCA, and I was walking around the track, and I was watching people play this sport that, that I didn't know what it was. It was, it was quite interesting. Uh, most of the people were 60, 70 years old, and I thought, that's my people. And so I began to, to, to look at, and, and I thought, man, that looks like a, a good way for, for me to, to boost my confidence, number one, because I'm playing against 70-year-olds. It's a good way to have some competitive fun. So I, so I began to, to research, I say, what is this game? They said, it's pickleball. I said, pickleball? Now, I was talking to someone just about three days ago about this, and she said, what do you do with a pickle? It has nothing to do with a pickle. But I began to, to watch YouTube videos, and, and I, I ordered a racket. I started telling people about it, saying, hey, this is, this is a great game. So I was able to get some people interested. I mean, it's become popular here in Ashland, and, and they've even taken a lot of the tennis courts and turned them into pickleball courts down on Central Avenue. So one day, in the middle of the day, I, I decided that I would have a friend come with me, and we were going to go play pickleball. Now, me and this friend, we have something in common. Neither of us like to lose. And I was determined that I was not going to lose on this day. But about halfway through the match, I turned a certain way, and I started having back pain. I could barely walk, and I could tell, and my friend would say, hey, do you want to quit? I wasn't about to give up, so what did he do? He doesn't like to lose, so the whole game, he had been keeping the ball in our court, but all of a sudden, he accidentally started hitting it way over there where I would have to walk and go get it. And then I would come back and he would take advantage because I, I could barely stand up. But I kept going because I was determined. I was all in. I was not going to lose. Both of us would stop at nothing because we both wanted to win. There were points that I literally had to take a break and lay flat on my back in the middle of the court before I could get up and go on. When I got up, there was a huge sweat spot on the court. It looked like, you know, an outline of a dead body. That's what it looked like. But I got up and I kept going. So finally, the match ended. Now, because I'm not going to tell you who won. But since I'm willing to tell this story, you can probably figure it out. But I was all in. I was determined. And so as we start a new year, as we start a new decade, 
When I look at my life, I want to say I'm more determined than ever. I'm more determined to worship more. I'm more determined to trust more. I'm more determined to love more. I'm more determined to serve more. When I look at my life, my goal is to say, with my walk with Christ, I'm all in. When it comes to my walk with Christ, it's more important than anything else in my life. There are things that we love. There are things that we dedicate ourselves to. But there is nothing more important than our walk with Christ. But in order to get to that point, in order to be able to say, I'm all in, there's some things that, that we need to realize. So over the next four weeks, I'm going to be unpacking about four words. Next week, we're going to look at how that the word invaluable. The week after that, we're going to look at the word influential. The fourth week, we will look at the word invested. You seeing a pattern here? But today, we want to look at the word invited. Invited. You are invited into God's family. How many people have ever been scrolling through Facebook or Instagram or, and you see a bunch of your friends hanging out and they post a picture and you look at it and you say, wait a minute, we weren't invited. You didn't know anything about it. And maybe you're the person who is nervous that someone has been left out. And when you start talking about getting together, it's like, oh, you better ask so-and-so. Some of the, the worst feelings in the world is not being invited. One of the cruelest things that I've ever witnessed in my life, when we att attended our, the university that we went to, they would have what they called tap night. Now, I don't know if other colleges do this, but this is the way they did it at the college that my wife and I attended. They had tap night. What does that mean? So what happens is, is you have all of these people, and they have dreams of being in a fraternity or a sorority. They have dreams of being invited into this group. And so they would all, they would pick a night, they would all come to the middle of the campus, and these clubs, these sororities and fraternities would walk through, and they would look at people, and they would taunt people just by looking at it and then walking on by. But what you were waiting on was for them to tap you on the shoulder. And by them tapping you on the shoulder, that meant, hey, we want you to be part of our group. Now, I had a friend who for four years before this night, this fraternity would be talking to him. Yeah, you're going to get in this year. You're going to get in this year. And his hopes would be, and they would walk by him and they would look at him and smile. And then they would turn around, they would walk by him, and they would smile. And they would go through the crowd, and they would come back by, and they would smile. And then the night would end. And for three or four years, this guy ended that night being uninvited. He ended that night feeling left out. 
unimportant. Have you ever been that person? Have you ever been the person that's been turned down for a job? Have you ever been that person that's been turned down for a date? Have you ever felt left out? Have you ever felt unimportant? Have you ever felt like you have no place to belong? Well, can I tell you this morning, you are not alone. You see, all of us, at one point or another in our life, we have felt that way. All of us, at one point or another, have felt unimportant or left out or like that that people didn't want us around. You may be here this morning and, and, and you may be and come from a family that you felt that way or made you feel that way. Well, there's good news for you and for us this morning. The good news is, is that Jesus is not that way. Jesus invites the people that others reject. Jesus invites those who society turns their nose up at. Jesus invites those who others have no concern for. One of the main themes of the gospel is just that. Jesus is continually going after people who the religious people rejected. Time after time after time, whether it's Zacchaeus or or, or all of these people that other people looked at and said, you're not important. We don't want you to be part of us. You've made too many mistakes. You're too bad of a person. Jesus was continually going to those people and saying, don't listen to them. Jesus was continually going to those people and saying, you're invited into my family. You're invited into the family of God. In Luke chapter 7, we see a perfect example of Jesus doing this. You see, here we have Jesus, and and as we begin to read in Luke chapter 7, we see Jesus and and his disciples are, are in the village of Nain. And he's going about and he's performing miracles. He comes in in contact with a a funeral procession. He sees the the mom who's a widow. And she's crying. And, And her only son has died. And Jesus walks over to the woman and he says, don't cry. I know the, the way that you're feeling right now. Don't cry. You're feeling like you've been left all alone and that you have no family left. Don't cry. And Jesus touches the coffin and he says, he tells the young man, get up. And he does just that. And the crowd was amazed. And the news began to, to spread. And so then you have the Pharisees, the pious, devout, outwardly religious Pharisees. They aren't believers. We read that that, that they didn't believe in in John the Baptist. And they do not believe at, at this point in Jesus. So one day while Jesus was in town though, there was a Pharisee named Simon and he decided to throw a party. Now as I'm reading this, I'm trying to figure out why in the world he doesn't believe in Jesus. What was his motivation What was his motivation to to invite Jesus to this party? But he does. And so here he is, and here they are. There's a gathering of the who's who of Galilee. 
And so we pick up this story in verse 37 when it says, A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. Now, you can imagine, here you have all of these religious people, and someone shows up uninvited. You ever been sitting at your house, and and you've got friends over, and and everybody that you talk to is there, and the doorbell rings? You're thinking, oh my, who is that? Somebody showed up uninvited. So here we have this woman. Uh, Can you remember, or could you think about the outrage that these men must have had? I mean, their idea was to keep this woman away from, and to keep away from anyone sinful. I mean, we read over and over again how that they did not like Jesus because the way that he interacted with those who had sin in their life. And the way that he interacted with those who they thought were unimportant. So here this woman shows up at at Simon's house at this party. And so she walks in and and she's hurting. I mean, here's a woman who who has made a, a series of bad choices in her life. As we read, we we realize and understand that she was a prostitute. Now, I'm pretty sure that she didn't grow up saying that this is what I want to do for a living. It probably wasn't on her list of desired jobs, but yet here she was. Probably no idea how she had got to this point in her life, but guess what? She was there. She was living a life of being abused by men. And she was living a life of being glared at by women. But she comes in. And she kneels as a posture of worship. She takes a jar of perfume. Now this wasn't just any perfume. This wasn't just something that you picked up at Big Lots. That said it smells like... Or compares to, but it's 95% cheaper. This was an expensive perfume. This was a a costly perfume. This was something that not just anyone could afford. And not only was it that, it was also probably a, a form of advertisement for her. Because when she walked by, people would say, oh, wait a minute. But she disregards all of that. The fact that it was costly. She disregards it. She breaks it open and she pours it on Jesus' feet. In one moment, there is an extraordinary act of worship. In this moment, there is a, it is a symbol of repentance. In this moment, she decides in her life, she says, I'm going all in. I'm going all in. This was a representation that, that she's leaving her old life. She's getting rid of the, the things in her life. She's getting rid of this perfume. That she used to help in her job. Verse 38 says, As she stood behind him 
at his feet weeping. She began to wet his feet with her tears. And then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured the perfume on them. So here she is standing in front of Jesus. And she begins to cry. And she gets his feet wet. And then she does something that was inappropriate. She lets her hair down, which was a no-no. She disregarded everything else. She said, in this moment, right now, I'm making a decision to go all in. She dries his feet with her hair. Verse 39 says, When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Now, I find it interesting there that Luke says he said it to himself. But Jesus knew what this man was thinking. Jesus knew he could tell by the look on his face. He could tell by his posture. He understood exactly what Simon was thinking. So in verse 44, he says this. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, Her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven, little loves little. And then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. So Jesus looks at Simon and he says, you know what? You can walk around and and act like that you're religious. You can walk around and and, and act like that you have it all together. He said, but look at the difference between you and this woman. And then he outlines everything that Simon did not do that would have shown hospitality, that would have shown love, that would have shown you're really welcome here, Jesus. And that's why I think that his motivation probably was not because he really wanted Jesus to enjoy the party. I believe he had other plans. I believe he had other reasons for for asking Jesus to be there. But Jesus understands this and realizes this. And he looks at him and says, you didn't do any of these things. But here's this woman, and she did. Why did this woman come and do this? Why was this woman willing to to walk across town as as other men would jeer at her? Why was she willing to walk into a place where she was uninvited? You ever walked into some place and and you just felt like that everyone was staring at you? That you were out of place? Can you imagine how this woman would have felt when she walked into this house? 
Why was she willing? Why is she willing to dart straight for Jesus? I mean, the Pharisees considered her scandalous. The Pharisees considered her disgraceful. They found her appalling. But she didn't care. She didn't care what anybody else thought. Why? I believe it's because she already knew about Jesus. She already knew about him. She had watched him from afar. She had watched miracles. I believe that she had, she had likely she had heard him speak. What did he say? What did he say that would have caused her to be willing to go all in? Now, Luke doesn't tell us directly. But in this chapter of Luke, right after Jesus heals the widow's son, he has an encounter with John the Baptist's disciples. He has an encounter with them. And so it's recorded in this chapter of Luke. The same thing was also recorded in the 11th chapter of Matthew. And so Matthew tells us during this time what Jesus was preaching He tells us what was happening and what was being said when this encounter takes place. He allows us to know what his message was. So what was the message that this broken, rejected, desperate woman heard? What was the message? Matthew chapter 11 verse 28 says this. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle. I am humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. So I believe that this woman was at a point in her life that she was weary. She was at a point in her life where she was burdened. She was at a point in her life that she was ready to throw up her hands and to quit. To throw up her hands and to give up. And then she hears Jesus. And Jesus said, if you're weary, if you're burdened, I will give you rest. And there's some of us here this morning. That we are in that exact situation. We're tired. We're weary. We're worn out. And Jesus wants you to know that you don't have to live that way. That's what he was telling this woman. You do not have to live the way that you are living. Bring it to me. Bring it to me and I will take care of it. Now notice, Jesus, this woman was not changed By Jesus pointing out her sins. She wasn't changed by Jesus looking at her and saying, you're wicked. She wasn't changed by him judging her for her lifestyle. That's not what changed her lifestyle. That's not what brought her to this moment. Shaming her did not set her free. But what changed her? I believe it was these three words, come to me. What is he saying? He's saying, listen, I don't care of your past. 
you're invited. I don't care where you are right now. You can come to me. You see, Jesus didn't come for the righteous. He came for women and men just like this woman. He came for the sinner. He didn't come for the healthy, but he came for the sick. And if you're here this morning and you've ever doubted God, if you're here this morning and you've ever questioned God, if you're here this morning and you've ever walked away from God, maybe you feel as if you've failed God. Can I tell you, none of that matters. None of that matters. He's looking at you this morning and he's saying, come to me. He's looking at you this morning and saying, you are invited into my family. He doesn't care if you've been a drug addict. He doesn't care if if you've considered or attempted suicide. He doesn't care if you've committed adultery. There is no sin. There is nothing in your past. There is nothing that you're in right now that would cause Jesus to look at you and say, you're not invited here. He's looking at you just like he looked at this woman and he's saying, come to me. Give it to me. That's where Jesus spent his time when he was walking on this earth. He spent his time with people and going to the people that most people avoided. He spent his time going to people that looked nothing like him. And because he was willing to do that, because he was willing to to show them some attention, because he was willing to just be with them, not condemn them, but to love them and to allow them to know that they did not have to live the way that they were living. These people loved him. And when I look at my life, and I look at the things that, that, that are in my life that, that I would consider to be wrong, to be bad, those things in my past that I would say this would probably disqualify me from ever standing in, in front of a, a crowd of people like this. This would disqualify me from being invited into God's family. I can't help but get emotional about the love that God extends to me. I can't help but get emotional to think that even though I'm still invited, even though he still wants me to be a part of his family, You may be part of a family that you have a family member that is, that, that is probably not invited to certain functions because of their past, because of the things that have happened. But it's not like that with God. God says, I don't care what your past is. I don't care what you've been through. When Jesus looked at these people, he didn't see what other people saw. He saw family. He saw people who were made in the image of God. And when he looks at you, and when he looks at me, he doesn't see the labels that people have placed on you. He sees you.
He doesn't see your past. He sees you. He sees you as a person that he gave his life for. He sees you as a person. He invites you into his family. You say, well, pastor, I'm here this morning, but, but I am a, a Christ follower. I'm in the family of God. So, so, so what do you have to say to me? What do I need to do to be all in? If you've already and are already in the family of God, then my challenge to you this morning is that you need to show that you love God and that you love people by allowing others to know this message that I'm sharing this morning. You need to come to the realization that Jesus is looking at you and says, I invited you to the family. I invited you, but don't come alone. Don't come alone. You see, when you go all in for something, you want to tell everybody about it. When you are passionate about something, you want everybody to know. When I began playing pickleball, I wanted people to know. I wanted them to, to be as excited about it as I was. Because I was all in. I was passionate about it. I enjoyed it. Jesus told a story. And this story is found in Luke chapter 14. It starts in verse 16. And it says, Jesus replied with this story. A man prepared a great feast and sent out many invitations. When the banquet was ready, he sent his servant to tell the guests, Come, the banquet is ready. But they all began by making excuses. One said, I have just bought a field and must inspect. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five pair of oxen, and I want to try them out. Please excuse me. And another said, I, I now have a wife, so I can't come. Man, I've lost many a friends. That excuse might have stick, stuck. The servant returned and told his master what they had said. His master was furious and said, Go quickly into the streets and the alleys of the town and invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. After the servant had done this, he reported, There's still room for more. So the master said, Go out into the country lanes and behind the hedges. And urge anyone you find to come so that the house will be full. So here Jesus is telling a story that a great feast was prepared and, and, and a lot of invitations were sent out. But one after another just made up excuses. And, and he looked at them and said, don't give up. Go get the poor. Go get the crippled. Go get the blind. Go get the lame. In other words, go get the people that many of the world and others reject. Go get them. 
And after that was done, he, he, he said, there's still room. So go out and find some more. He says, listen, I've invited you into the family. You're in my family, but there's still so much more room. There's still so much more room. Go find more. In 2020, if you want to go all in, you're here this morning and you are in one of two categories. You're either someone who has never accepted the invitation into God's family. Or you're here this morning and you've accepted that invitation, but you know that you can do more. You know that in order to to really consider being all in, that there's more that you can do. You look at this parable and Jesus telling this story, and you see that, that probably... After they were probably ready to give up. But the master was looking at them and said, No, 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 you can't give up. There's still room. The master was looking at them and saying, There's still room at this party, and it's your responsibility. You notice the master didn't go out and do it, they were part of the plan. He said, You go find people and tell them about this great party that they're invited to. And in the same manner, you may be here this morning, and and you may be in the family of God, but the master is looking at you and saying, go find people. My family isn't full. And as we go into 2020... I desire us as a church to develop the mentality that no matter how many excuses that we're given by people, don't give up. Because you have received something that has changed your life. And the master is looking at you and saying, go tell them. Go get them. Don't give up. There's still room. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to ask you that question. If you're here today and you aren't following Christ, if you're here today and you have never walked or accepted the invitation, He's inviting you. He's inviting you. He's looking at you and he's saying, there is still room. He's looking at you and saying, no matter your past, no matter what your situation, no matter how unwanted or unworthy that you feel, He's calling you. He's calling you. He's saying you're invited into 
my family. You're here this morning and you say, Pastor, that's me. Pastor, that's me. I feel alone. I feel unworthy. I feel left out. Pastor, I've even, at one point in my life or another, I, I, I've, I sort of sort of stepped into the family and sort of feel like the prodigal son right now. I've ran. I went and did my own thing. I've made some dumb choices, some stupid mistakes. I don't feel worthy. But if you're here this morning and, and that's you, just slip up your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Pastor, that's me. You may be here this morning and you say, Pastor, I'm guilty of being complacent. Pastor, I'm guilty now that, that I'm in the family. It really doesn't matter to me who else comes. Pastor, it doesn't matter to me as long as, as I have a seat at the table. As long as I've got what I need. People come, they come. If they don't, they don't. Pastor, I'm complacent. Pastor, I, I, I've tried and, and I'm so tired of being told no. I've tried and I, I'm, I'm tired of, of feeling rejected that people won't accept this invitation. I know that I, I can do more. I know that I, I should be doing more. I know that I should be going out and, and making the unwanted wanted know that they are wanted. Pastor, I'm guilty of not doing that. I'm guilty of being complacent. Being satisfied. Simply by the fact that I have and I am in the family. So if that's you, if you're here this morning and say, Pastor, I know I need to do more. I know that there are people out there that feel lost and unwanted. Unimportant. Pastor, I need to do more. Would you just slip up your hand? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm raising my hand with you. Why? Because it doesn't matter how much I do, there's still room. It doesn't how, matter how much or how many people that I invite, there's still room. I believe the Holy Spirit wants to, to speak into the hearts of people this morning and allow you to know that God wants you in his family. God wants you to go all in. God wants you to go deeper than you've ever been before. If you're here this morning and you say, Pastor, I need something different. I need a change. I'm going to ask everybody to stand.
I know. I know. That there are people here this morning. That you're struggling. You are struggling. There's some of you that you're struggling and maybe nobody knows. You're really good at hiding it. But you feel like that no one cares. You feel unimportant. You feel unworthy. You feel like that your past disqualifies you from being in the family of God. It disqualifies you from making a difference in the family of God. It doesn't matter. This woman was a prostitute. She sold her body didn't matter to Jesus. He said, come to me. If you're here this morning and you're tired, you're here this morning and you feel like the weight of the world is on you. Three words. Come to me. That's what Jesus said. So as I pray, as they begin to sing, I want to challenge you to do just that. I want to challenge you to, to step out of your seat and, and walk down to this altar and allow some people to pray with you. You see, there's, there's so many of us and so many of you that, that, that you've tried this walk, but you've never really got into the family. Because not only are you invited into God's family, you're invited into this family. And there are people here that want to pray with you. There are people here that want to walk with you. There are people here who are here that, that when you're going through something and you're struggling, they want to be by your side. Why? Because that's what family is about. So if as a church, if we are operating in the way that, that, that God would have us operate, and that is God says you're invited into this family no matter what. As a church, that is our attitude. As a church, our attitude is says we want you to be part of this family. We want you to experience the difference that God has made in our lives, we want you to experience that in your life and in the life of your family. So as they begin to sing and as I begin to pray, I'm going to ask you, if that's you, if you're struggling, if you're weary, if you're burdened, no matter your situation, I'm going to ask you to step out, come down to this altar and let our prayer team and pray for you and believe with you and agree with you. Do not allow the enemy to talk you out of what God has for you this morning. So as they sing and I pray, don't hesitate. Step out. Father, I come before you right now. God, I know that there are people here this morning. God, that they need to know that you love them. 
God, they have passed. They've gone through things. They've struggled with issues. They've struggled with, with, with the things that the world places on them. But God, right now, God, let them know. Come to you. Come to you. All you who are who labor, who are heavy burdened, all of those who are weary, come to him. God wants to do a difference and make a difference in your life. Don't reject it. Don't reject it. This woman, she absolutely could have allowed her circumstances and her situation to keep her from coming to the feet of Jesus. She could have allowed her pride. She could have allowed the, the way that she felt to keep her from coming to the feet of Jesus. She pushed through the crowd. She pushed through the crowd. She said, here is everything that I have. Here is everything in my life that means something to me. God, here it is. And she broke open that bottle. And she poured that expensive perfume. Her livelihood, she poured it at the feet and on the feet of Jesus, disregarding everything else. altars are filled, but I can tell you there's still people that you need God to do something in your life. You need God to do something in your life. You are walking through a time right now that you feel alone, you feel rejected, you, you feel as if that everybody and everything that means anything to you has been ripped away from you. You feel alone. said you're invited. He wants to change your situation. 